Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Emotional Management, a weekly checkup from the neck up with Dr. Christian Conti. Brought to you by Summit Psychology Services on KDKA Radio. Good evening, everyone. What a beautiful... Uh Day, what a beautiful moment to be alive. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show. Welcome to Emotional Management. This is the show where we talk about whatever's going on with you. So I had a secret when I was a professor. I would teach classes and I would make the classes about my students because I thought, who is more interesting to you than you? And so I love doing this with this show. Like, this is an opportunity. If you have a question about anything, anything you're struggling with in life, maybe you have some relationship issues, maybe you have some people in your life that are just really getting to you in ways that you don't feel comfortable with. Because it's uncomfortable when people get to us. It's uncomfortable when people who anger us occupy so much space in our minds. So this is the show where you can call in. We can talk about it. 866-391-1020 is the number. That's 866-391-1020 is the number. So New Year's Eve coming up tomorrow, and every year around New Year's, I bring up the concept of the Roman god Janus, after whom January is named, because he was the god of gates. And he was the god of gates, and because he had a face on the front of him and a face in the back of his head, so he could look forward to the future, but he could also look back toward the past. That's why we have January named January. And I like that. We can look backwards. We can look forward. And tonight we'll tie that in with how you live your everyday life. There are moments when you're looking forward, living in the future, And what we call that is anxiety, if we're worried about that future too much. And then there are moments when you're living backwards, you're living in the past. And we often call that uh, depression, because we're trying to get things to change that simply cannot be changed. And it feels helpless, it feels really overwhelming. Both depression and anxiety can be extraordinarily gripping. They can they can really captivate us in ways that we don't want to be captivated. So if you're struggling with any of that, anxiety, depression, if you're sad, if you're wanting to deal with some of the stuff that's on your mind, give us a call, 866-391-1020. Here's the great thing about this. You can be anonymous. It's radio. We cannot see you. Um, and so you'll have the safety of knowing you can call in and talk and feel comfortable knowing we can get to the heart of whatever you're struggling with, um, but do it in a way where, you know, hey, your face is not here, you're not seen, and so you can kind of feel that comfort, comfort of anonymity. So I want to talk about resolutions, New Year's resolutions. As soon as we hear that, sometimes there's an eye roll. Oh, boy, here we go again 
with New Year's resolutions. Why do we make these things? Everybody gets all fired up. Gym memberships soar. Hey, this year I'm going to go to the gym all the time. And so you buy the big gym membership and maybe you go to it for a couple weeks and then it kind of falls off. And so if you do that enough times in a row, there becomes a sense of feeling jaded. Oh, here we go. We're going to make these resolutions that we're not going to keep. And over time, you could eventually stop making resolutions and say, well, why am I going to bother with this stuff? I know I'm not going to follow through with it, but I've got a twist on it tonight that I'm excited to share with you. Here, The thought occurred to me of this. I, I hear people frequently say, Help me out with these resolutions. In fact, we have some emails tonight that we're going to get to from questions that are centered on that. But I think there's a twist to it. And here's my twist for you. Look, I'll be honest, for a long time, I stopped thinking, am I really going to make a New Year's resolution? Like, am I really going to do this? Am I going to follow through with it? But I'm something else hit me, and that is I make goals all the time. I accomplish goals all the time. So we put a lot of pressure when it's a New Year's resolution. This is going to be a big life change. But the reality is you and I both meet our goals all the time. We make goals and we, and we meet them. So why is it so different when it comes to New Year's resolution? And part of it becomes the pressure of thinking I have to become this entirely new individual. But what if we took the same mentality and just... Scratch the day, scratch the the stuff that comes with it being New Year's, and instead said, I would like to make some improvements in my life. And you could do that tonight. You can start right now. You don't have to wait until January 1st to do that. And if you don't do it on January 1st, you can certainly start on January 2nd or any other day. We have... Um, an infatuation with arbitrary numbers, arbitrary days. Once we associate meaning with those particular days, it becomes difficult for us to change that. But I think that there is a way for you to maintain those New Year's resolutions. And, and I'm going to do it too. And here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm, I have things that I want to do. I, I'd like to lose weight, but I don't want to just phrase it as I'd like to lose weight because if I phrase it as I'd like to lose weight. Well, that's just a nice little thought that's out there. I'm 255 pounds. I want to be 235 pounds by May 1st. That's 20 pounds by May 1st. Now, the reason why I make that clear is it gives me something to work toward. So now I know, okay, by May 1st, I want to be 235. That means what do I need to do? Well, I certainly don't need to start on uh, January 1st, so I started a few days ago uh, upping my cardio, and I'm going to start to do a lot more cardio. Um, and I have a specific plan for that. I have a specific number of days a week that I intend to do this cardio and continue weightlifting. And there are but the biggest... Uh, really goal I have for myself and it, whether it's New Year's or like I said whether I just recognize it's a goal that I want for myself and that is to eat healthier so I, I definitely um, rely on eating stuff that I like that I'm used to uh, that I grew up eating but I know are not particularly healthy for me and so I want to make different food choices that's not easy that's not easy so if any of you out there are also looking to lose weight and that's a goal of yours and you want to talk about it talk about some of the things that get in get in your way give me a call 866-391-1020 is the number but uh 
yeah, I think there is a way to make these goals, make them clear, and then pursue them. And maybe not put the weight of, oh my goodness, I have to do this giant life change, and instead say, absolutely, I want to improve myself. See, I think that every day of my life, I wake up and I, I have a routine. I have a routine I, I, I've done for years. I wake up, I meditate. First of all, the first thought that comes to my mind is gratitude. Um, I think the first couple thoughts you have in a day impact you. Uh, my wife just read about the, the intensity with which that impacts you, your first several thoughts of your day. Well, I said, you know, when she told that to me, I said, that kind of makes sense because I wake up every day. My very first thought is, thank you. I'm grateful to be alive. Um, and then I meditate. And then I picture standing in front of 7 billion plus people, the entire planet. And I think if I could say something to the whole world, what would I say? And then I jump on Twitter and I make a, what I believe is a conscious statement. And I do that every day, uh, seven days a week. Uh, I do, it's just a part of my routine. Now, within my routine, I've gotten away, not in the morning, but I've gotten away later in the day from sticking to an exercise routine. And I'm going to tell you what it's going to take for me to be clear. And I'm going to help you figure out how you can be clear. So we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions, but that's not the only thing we're going to talk about. Because if at any given moment, if something's come up for you, so if you're struggling with anything, well, give me a call. 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. Welcome to Emotional Management. Man, I love uh, musical intros. If you've listened to the show before, you know I'm a big fan of the whole musical intro. I love music. I think it's such an incredible talent that people have who can play music. Um, my daughter is extremely talented. Musically, she is just phenomenal. Uh, she can just play a bunch of different instruments and sing, and I'm just awed by her talent. So a little over a year ago, I got myself a guitar and started practicing, and I uh, I love it. I have zero musical talent, um, but I really enjoy doing it. So, I, you know, one of my goals this year in 2020 is to continue to play practice more frequently. Um, although I try to make time for it pretty often because I, I love doing it. I love practicing. It's fun. The guitar, there are a lot of analogies. If you've ever tried to pick up a guitar, there are a lot of analogies in life. For instance, if you try to rush the experience and try to do things too quickly, then you start to develop bad habits and you you really can't get faster by just thinking, I should be farther along. Instead, you've got to really concentrate and be specific in which strings you're pushing down and what chords you're forming and all this kind of stuff. And if that sounds foreign to you, that's okay, because it sounded pretty foreign to me when I started, and I'm just starting to get the hang of it, uh, play a couple things, but I love it, absolutely love it. Um, I, I want to talk tonight about our resolutions, and I don't want to do it in a way that we're like, oh, here we go again with resolutions. We're going to talk about stuff that we're never really going to actually follow through with doing. In fact, I'm going to go to a question right now. So this question comes from Mara. Uh, Mara writes... Every year, I say I'm going to lose weight, and sometimes I actually do well for the first couple weeks, but then I fall off. I guess I've been told recently that I'm an emotional eater. I really want my goal to stick this year. Please help, Mara. Mara, thank you so much for your question. I think that's a great, great question, um, and I'm with you on that. I think, look, 
it's challenging when it comes to being an emotional eater. Well, first of all, I, I think that term, like, I agree with I, I agree that we are emotional eaters at times. I definitely can identify with you with that. Um, but part of that is it is our natural state to seek comfort, and food brings us comfort. So if you're sad, um, we're really, and you think about what you get from food, an increase in serotonin levels, and so you can balance out neurotransmitters and aspects to your brain that you wouldn't get if you were hungry. So for instance, think about it. When you're hungry, um, you're, that's actually registered in a part of your brain called the hypothalamus. That sounds fancy, but here's what it does. It's kind of the center of where your hunger is located in your brain. And then, the hypothalamus is actually in the middle of your brain. It's in it's what's called the uh, in the limbic system. That's your emotional system. So when you're hungry, it makes sense why you feel emotional. But it also makes sense too that when you eat, uh, that you can you can kind of balance out some of those emotions. That's why it does make it does feel better to eat at times. But there are different ways. If you're now that everything in life happens on a continuum. I say this all the time. Things happen in life on a continuum. So and by the way I want to make sure I give the phone number again. Eight six six three nine one ten twenty is the number to call in. But everything happens in life on a continuum. So Sure, we all emotionally eat. Um, sometimes we do it more, sometimes we do it less. If you find yourself doing it more as a coping strategy, well, there are other coping strategies that you can integrate into your life. So, for instance, um, we, we we become very um, habitual. We're habitual creatures. We we form habits, and then we rely on those habits. I have to laugh. One the first um, interview, television interview I did. Uh, many years ago, uh, they brought me in to, uh, I was, we were living out west, and I went in on a local news station, and the topic was uh, how to keep your goals. And so the interviewer said to me, well, my friends and I, they say it takes, uh, you know, six weeks to change your habits. She said, but my friend and I, we just took on this new habit, and we did it in three weeks, and it really worked for us. So is that possible? And I laughed, and I laughed. My wife laughed because my response was, uh, apparently you and your friend did it, so I guess it's possible. And it was kind of like a closed-ended question that, interview, that the interview had asked me. Uh, I think I, I, I don't know that I answered it as, as best as I could answer, but here's the reality. Um, if you can do something, yeah, we don't have to have a certain number of, of minutes, hours, days, weeks to change a habit. But it, the general rule is this. It takes a while to create behavioral patterns. It takes a while for things to become rote for you. Let's think about it this way. If you ever move from one place to another, so maybe you're living in one apartment, you go to another apartment, and in the middle of the night you go to hit the light switch in the bathroom, but you hit it on the wall that it's not on because it's your last place. Let's say it was on the left. You move to your new place, it's on the right. There will still be nights where you reach over to where you thought it was. And that's perfectly normal. That's an example, though, of a behavioral pattern. So how long does it take to change those patterns? I think when we get caught up in how long it takes, 
we actually infuse that into our psyches and that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So in other words, if I were to say to you right here now, well, hey, listen, Dr. Conti says that it takes exactly five weeks to break a habit, then you might be on week uh, six and say, well, my habit isn't broken, so there's something wrong with me. And that's not true at all. Or maybe you get it on week three and you think, well, maybe it's not there and you have doubt because you say, well, I can't because it's, you know, some expert said it's the five weeks. So I'm reticent to give a date or how much time. And I think it varies anyway from person to person. Sometimes people have, you know, I remember hearing a story about um, that my grandfather smoked uh, for a certain period of time, but then just quit, just instantly, boom, stopped it and changed. And I've, I've met people who've talked about that, who they smoke for many years and all of a sudden they change one day and they don't turn, they don't turn back. So there's not a real solid, it has to be this amount of time to change a habit. Here's what we know. If every day is a blank slate, if every day is a blank slate, then what are you doing to create, let's picture like a painting. So I give you a canvas, and your canvas is going to be for tomorrow morning. You wake up, you have a canvas. You can put anything you want on that. If you didn't like something on the canvas that you painted on yesterday, then why would you start your day painting your new canvas with that stuff you didn't like? Oh, look, I messed up on this canvas, so I'm going to capture that, and I'm going to just cut and paste that onto my new canvas. That doesn't make a lot of sense, right? So what do we do? If we look and we see in every given situation, in every given day, we have a brand new canvas. Now, how do we fill our minds? How do we fill our bodies? How do we fill our spirits? Well, whatever you do, you get to do that new every day. So again, when I'm talking about New Year's resolutions, we don't have to think of them differently than any resolution to make any kind of change. And you can make a resolution every single day to say, here's how I, I, I plan to go through this day. And the more clear you are with your plan, the more likely you are to follow through with it. Again, let me come back to me and my own personal goals. If I just say I want to lose weight, that's great, but that's not really clear. So how do I get there? But if I have this... Uh, picture of exactly what I want to do. On May 1st, I step on the scale, it says 235. Hey, I, I have a radio show. I actually announced my goal on a radio show. So my guess is someone's going to call in or, or write to me on May 1st and say, where are you? And so I get, I, right now I'm actually making a public commitment. Uh, and, and honestly, whenever you've ever been walking through a college campus and your kids ask you, will you sign this petition? The reason why they do that, even though that petition might not go anywhere is once you make a public commitment, you're more likely to follow through with it. So one thing you can do is tell someone about your goals. Listen, we got a whole bunch that we're going to get into this with tonight, but I want to make sure that it what we're talking about can impact you in the most effective way possible. So if you want to talk, 866-391-1020 is the number. 866-391-1020 is the number. we got a lot to get to tonight, so I'm excited to talk about it. Um, this is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. Welcome back to Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. It's your weekly checkup from the neck up. We're talking about 
resolutions tonight. 866-391-1020 is the number if you want to talk. And for the break, I was talking about this idea of, um, you know, why make a resolution, thinking that, why make the resolution pressure-filled. In other words, let's say you decide, well, I want to wake up early, but then on New Year's Eve, uh, you stay out late and you have a nice time on New Year's Eve, so then you already sleep in, so it's January 1st, and you think, well, I already broke my New Year's resolution, so I might as well quit trying to do it. So, so you put this arbitrary date on yourself to say, I'm going to wake up early, knowing that you were going to be out late the night before. So we first of all, we want to make goals that are realistic and achievable. But the other thing is to be easy on yourself, to be easy on yourself. And this is a lesson that, as I say out loud, it's something that I also actively practice. It's wonderful if you can have somebody in your life that can help remind you to be easy on yourself. And if you don't, well, let me be that voice for you to say, be easy on yourself. In other words, when you start to try to make these, when you begin to make these changes, not try, but when you begin to make these changes, because think about it, if you're climbing up a mountain, you, it doesn't, it's not just the moment when you're standing on top of the mountain. It was all those moments to get to the top. It was even in the preparation to begin climbing that mountain that mattered, that led to where you got, to how you got to the top. And the same is true when you think about, let's go with, I'm going to stick with um, this question A about weight because Mara wrote in about it and it's also something that I'm going to uh, be working on myself this this uh, coming, because, well, I already started actually. So... Mara, let me stick with this. Let, let me come back to you. You've talked about being an emotional eater, and you really want to stick to your goal this year. Okay, so there are a couple things. First, when it comes to being an emotional eater, let's think about how do you handle whenever an, an intense emotion comes up. When an, an intense emotion comes up, maybe you go straight for food because you're saying, I'd like to get comfort. Um, but then after you're done eating, you think, oh, no, why did I do this to myself again? So, what can you do? Well, you can practice self-discipline in this way. And I'm doing the same thing right here with you. But here's what it is. We, we master what we practice. I say this time and again. I, I've written about this. I, I do videos on it. I talk about this all the time. We master what we practice. So, you could practice self-discipline in areas that may seem like they don't relate whatsoever, but they actually do. So here's an example. Mara, let's say your phone rings and you're used to picking up that phone on the first ring. Well, when the phone rings the next time, let it ring twice. In other words, that might seem, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, the more you're practicing, I don't need to. If I have an impulse to do something, I don't have to satiate it. And even if that means delaying that gratification by a second or two when it comes to the ring, well, that's... First of all, you're being mindful, you're being conscious, you're being thoughtful. And second, what you're doing is you're practicing that when you have an impulse, you can delay that gratification. So when you go to take a drink of water, you know, you, you go to the sink, pour water, you get ready to drink it, and you say, wait a minute, let me just stop and take a breath. Just one breath. Eventually, you make that two breaths, then three and what you're doing is you're practicing in every given moment with intentionality. Wherever you are, you say, okay, whatever I have an impulse to do, I'm going to take a moment to practice saying I don't need 
to do this in this second. I will be okay if I delay it a little bit more. And the more you practice that, the better you get at it. So I've talked about this in the show before, but I do a lot of work in the prison system. Super passionate about that. If you've ever visited a maximum security prison, you know that when you're moving through the prison, there are people in a in what's called a bubble, and they kind of see you walking down the hall, and they have to open those doors for you. So somewhere, someone in a different location than where you are, they're the ones who will press the door to open for you. A lot of times, most of the times, the majority of the times, you're going to get to the door, and the door's not just going to open. It's going to be a little bit of time. So you start to practice, hey, when I come here, you're not just, run, you're not just running through a maximum security prison um, from one end to the other. It's going to take some time. So patience is something that is... Uh, at least in that area, that is something that you are forced to learn. In other words, you standing there and being upset isn't going to change. In fact, if someone's in the bubble and they see you really visibly upset about it, my guess is the human nature in them is going to say, well, let's make them wait a little longer. So eventually you're going to learn it. All right, so let's bring, bring this back to the outside world, not in the prison world, but anytime you have an opportunity to practice patience, maybe it's in traffic. Maybe you get in a traffic jam and you think, ah, oh, this shouldn't be happening right now, I can't take this. And before you allow your thoughts to go down that spiral, what you do is you step back and you say, I'm okay, it's not the end of the world. Let me take a breath. Think about those statements, I'm okay, it's not the end of the world. These are just, just those two statements. Because here is kind of really the most important piece. What we say to ourselves impacts us tremendously. And if we can be accurate and balanced in our self-talk, instead of saying, I must eat all this right now, I must eat this, this is the only way I'm going to feel better, we say, you know what, I'd like to eat that, but it's not the end of the world. If I don't get to eat that right now, it's not the end of the world. I'm okay. And by practicing this over and over again, we start to become a lot more effective at it. So you might say to me, well, hey, Dr. Kantia, if you say you are practicing this stuff, then why is it that you need to lose weight? And that's a great question. And the answer is because I'm human. I'm trying stuff. I'm more effective in some areas of my life than others, as is everyone on planet Earth. Um, and in, when it comes to food, it's one of those things where I have practiced for many years being impulsive. Also, I grew up, I was very skinny um, when I was young, and I wanted to be bigger. So I would lift weights a lot, and I would stuff myself with food. So I practiced that when I would eat, I would so worry that I didn't have enough food, that I wanted to make sure I was getting more food, especially when I was going through college. I remember I would go out to eat with my friends. I would not just get a, a, a sub or whatever. I would get one for later because I was like, well, what if I run out of food later in the dorm? Um, so I practiced for many years thinking that I needed to eat as though I'm getting ready to walk out into a desert and it's going to be, i gotta feel, I got to fill myself up. And I practiced that for so long that it took a long time uh, and years of my wife saying to me, you know what, you don't... You, I don't know why you feel like you need to like pack tons of food to go on a 45-minute drive. Like Your car's not breaking down. You don't need to eat like you're never going to eat again. And so she would say this to me time and again, and it, it took years, but then I was able to finally say, okay, you don't. So I'm, I'm starting to break out of that habit and realize I don't need to hurry up and get food and, and shove it in. Um, that is something that's, that's an area that, I'm again, I'm working on. I want to continue to work on that this coming year. 
but that being said, it's not necess- I'm not saying I have to wait till January 1st to start that. This is something I started uh, actually about a week ago where I said I'm really going to focus in on what um, what I'm eating and my exercise. So, Mar, coming back to your question, and you say, please help. I've been told I'm an emotional eater. You know, you say you're going to lose weight. You do it for a couple weeks, but then you fall off. Here's what can happen. Sometimes when you make that goal and you don't hit it, you go, well, there's something I, I messed up. I already messed up. And that's where you give yourself the negative self-talk that makes you feel like you have failed in some way. And you haven't failed. If you climb a mountain and you get lost a little bit during the climb up the mountain, you're still going in your direction. You might just not be exactly where you want to be. And so I would invite you to be easy on yourself when you are making these goals. I think it's so, so important. Uh, let's go to the phone lines right now. And uh, Norm, you're yes, on emotional management. Just good evening. I just turned you on a quarter of right now. Thanks for taking my call. I wish everyone in the entire listening audience and all your folks there at the K a great New Year's. I will just get on the subject. Uh, I have a depression problem. I'm 65. I've had it for a while, but I take medication. It's very, 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 very controlled. And I actually took an extra medication that I just started within the last two months that's helped me. That's why I called to add to anyone out there that's not necessarily wondering if they should take a second medication like a Prozac and add to it, it would help if I may ask you to respond. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think that that's so important to go talk to a doctor and find out if that's right for you. I like that you brought that up a lot, Norm, because I think a lot of people are he- hesitant to say, should I take medicine? I think it can be extremely helpful for people. My wording and the way I speak, and it's definitely uh, noticeable to me, sir, after I go away here in 20 seconds, after just five weeks or so, is dramatically different, and I really bless the person who suggested that I take that, and it's working very well. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Do not hesitate if you work with a psychiatrist, or even on your own, to take an extra medicine because it will make a major difference, I think, in your life. I appreciate that so much, Norm. I hope you have a beautiful new year. Have a great one, baby. Thanks, brother. Great call. Um, I really, uh, I agree with that so, so much. I think it can be so helpful for people. Um, we got a whole lot more coming up on emotional management on KDKA Radio. News Radio 1020 KDKA. Your source for official traffic information. Just seeing a tow truck. Honey, they've cleared that disablement in the bathtub section. We're definitely seeing more traffic. Folks are bailing off. Here on News Radio 1020 KDKA. I really thought. There's nothing small about your business. That's why Dell Small Business Technology Advisors are ready to give you trusted advice, one-on-one partnership, and tailored tech solutions like computers with Intel Core processors. Call 877-BY-DELL to speak to an advisor today. Sunday at 1, Bell and Bassey. Question from a listener. Why do people wear their wedding ring on the third finger of the left hand? This is Dr. Knowledge with Knowledge in a Nutshell. Why aren't wedding rings worn on some other finger or even on the right hand? Well, here's the answer. The tradition of wearing a wedding ring only on the third finger of the left hand began with the ancient belief that 
The nerve in that finger runs directly to the heart. And so people have been wearing wedding rings on that same finger on the left hand in all the years ever since. You can get more stories in our Knowledge in a Nutshell books. Call 1-800-NUTSHELL or go to knowledgeinanutshell.com. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. 866-391-1020 is the number. I love that call from Norm. I think he's I think he's right. Sometimes we get really hesitant to take medicine thinking there's something wrong or bad with us. Um, but we're kind of silly with what we define as medicine or what we're willing to do. So, you know, it's it's interesting because our the, the there is a sense of arbitrary, we, we pick arbitrary dates, we pick arbitrary moments, and then we really cling to those. I was working with uh, a woman one time who she would run a hill, and there was a, a telephone pole at the top of the hill. And so she told me, she said, if I don't do it X number of times, I get really upset. So and I was working with her, she was a client of mine, and I said, how about we do this? The next time you go to run your hill, I want you to stop before that telephone pole and turn around and come back. She's like, but it won't count. But I was like, who's counting it? Like, you made up this arbitrary distance. You made up that you must cross that telephone pole. And so you're saying that your workout doesn't count if you don't arbitrarily take those steps? I mean, what if that telephone pole was a few feet back? And she said, I know. I just got it in my head. So what happened was she really worked on this, and she actually was able to do it. Uh, but it wasn't quick. In fact, she would come in for a couple weeks and say, nope, I couldn't do it. Nope, I thought about it, couldn't do it. And then she became obsessed with thinking, can I stop myself short? Um, and, you know, very successful person, successful athlete, but I'll never forget that moment when she came back in and was just uh, grinning ear to ear and said, I did it. I went short, and she said, you know what? I didn't fall apart. I thought I was going to fall apart. Um, and I still counted that as a rep for what I did because I still went up to giant hill and it's true we come up with these arbitrary dates so i'm a big fan of philosophy always have been soren kierkegaard uh wrote a book in 1838 uh, i believe i could be wrong on that date um i would be embarrassed if i was wrong on that but i believe it was 1838 um it was uh, it's called either or and in it he talked about there was one chapter on what's called the art of arbitrariness and he said, we get so wrapped up in thinking that we must do something on some arbitrary date or in some arbitrary way, like running a hill to a certain telephone pole or saying that New Year's is the day on which we will declare our resolutions. And if we mess up between now and the next New Year's Day, then we're just going to give up on them. But what if we could look at things a little differently? What if the next time you read a book, instead of reading the book from cover to cover, you just flipped open to chapter 3, you might get a very different meaning from that book than what the author intended, but you would still get your own meaning nonetheless. So I'm going to come back tomorrow, I want to come back to this concept of setting these goals and being easy on yourself, because let's say that over the first few weeks you do well, and then you say, well, well, I haven't kept it up at this level. My wife did something really fantastic for me about 10 years ago, she um, kept a calendar of when I worked out 
and I would get really down on myself if I felt like I wasn't, I was working a lot, and I was thinking, well, I'm missing dates, I'm not, I'm not working out, and so she kind of showed me this calendar and said, look, you have been working out, and when it was a really uh, life-changing moment for me to see that yes, maybe I guess I am pretty hard on myself, and I was doing it. And when you look back over time, that's another reason why writing things down is absolutely excellent. When you write things down, you can look back on them and see. So there are there is a way to be arbitrary in an artful way. Hey, let's go to the phone call, uh, phone lines, and uh, we have Anonymous on the line. How are you? And welcome to anger manage or anger management, emotional management. Uh, can you hear me? Can, can you hear me? I think I messed up that uh, that uh, call, but please uh, feel free to call back um, because I think I somehow dropped that uh, dropped that call. Um, all right, so coming back to this arbitrariness and trying to be and try to figure out how we can navigate through uh, arbitrariness. Here's how we can do it. We can get clear with our goals, and then what we can do is say, let me be easy on myself if I didn't do it this day. And I like this concept of thinking, I, th- I like this concept of us thinking of each new day as a blank canvas. Because now you have a chance to create whatever you want to create. Okay, so now we're going to go to the phone lines and see if I can get this uh, correctly. Welcome to Emotional Management. Hi, thanks for having me. Definitely. Thanks for calling in. Sure, for sure. Um, I, I, I don't really know where to start with this. I'm actually like just trying to figure out exactly where I am and what road roadmap I should take. I'm... I'm 31 years old, and I'm. I just recently re- figured out that I've had an ag- anger issue. Okay. And that I have issues expressing my emotions, and being reflecting on it, it's an issue that I've had, you know, my whole life. But it's recently just came up because of um, recently getting engaged, and. Right now, I'm seeing that it's it's destroying my relationship with my fiance. Mm. Um, hey, listen, that's pretty it, incredible that you recognize where it. it's it's become abusive verbally, and um, I'm really stuck on where exactly do I go to begin to even put tools in place to help me with my with communicating my emotions and controlling my anger. Okay, so great, great question, A. And B, I think it's pretty, even though, you know, what you're saying, I'm getting emotionally abusive or whatever, um, the fact that you're recognizing it says that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, That is a huge, huge, huge step. Um, So here's the thing. We have a tendency when we get really angry to be super, super certain that whatever we're angry about, like this is exactly what happened. And one of the fastest ways to start you down this different path is to infuse the word maybe into whatever you're getting angry about instantly. As soon as you get angry, go, wait a minute. Maybe there's another side to this. Maybe there's something I'm missing. And when you start to practice saying maybe, you give yourself an opportunity to step back and say, there's probably more going on. Because have there been moments of once you explode or once you get angry, once you're done with it, you go, oh, I guess that was a miscommunication. Have you had those moments? 
I've had moments like that, yes. Yeah, and so when you get back, you think, why did I react that way? Because there was more to it, and I just didn't see it. So first of all, I guess here's this is a huge thing. I'd love to have you here, and that is this. You've actually already started down the path. So you're wondering how to get started. You've started because you've recognized it. You're calling in. You're, you're trying to figure something out for yourself. So you're already on the path. So, so first of all, with maybe. Second thing is this. Are you still, are you and your fiancé talking to somebody? You're talking to counselor? You're doing that kind of stuff? Yeah, currently we're both seeing uh, therapists on the side individually, and then we're also getting premarital counseling. Okay, so I think that's really, really important because you're going to have to learn, I think, beforehand because you want to get into the marriage and then figure it out. So doing that ahead of time is, is absolutely huge. What do you think the biggest barrier is that kind of triggers your anger the most? It's my unrealistic expectations. You know, I, I live a very rule-based life, um, and it's, I, I kind of liken it to me being a cinder block. Every time something goes away that I'm not expecting it, it's like a sledgehammer that hits the cinder block and I crack. Mm. And I want to get to a place where I can become a trampoline where uh, a sledgehammer hits me and it'll bounce off. And I, I struggle with basically living in a world that I want a certain way and and when things go differently, it rocks my world. I tell you what, if you're willing to hang on through this next break, I really have a bunch of stuff I want to share with you. This is some really important stuff. I'm Dr. Christian sure. Conti. This is Emotional Management. We've got a whole bunch coming up next. This is Emotional Management, a weekly checkup from the neck up with Dr. Christian Conti. Brought to you by Summit Psychology Services on KDKA Radio. Welcome back. So we have a uh, caller on the line, uh, really insightful young man talking about uh, anger issues and dealing with, he's uh, engaged and he and his fiance are working toward, uh, you know, getting prepared to be married. So let's jump back in here into this call. Appreciate you hanging around. Um, I love. Sure, thanks for having me again. Definitely, definitely, and I love the uh, the awareness that it's you, you. You talked about being like I have these un, unre, unrealistic expectations. I believe you, the phrase you used, and I actually sure. I like that you realize that. Now that's the first step. The next step is saying, let's align these expectations with reality. So let's give an example of something that might really trigger you. Give me an example of something that might set you off. Sure. So something that sets me off is uh, when I'm not being understood. Mm. If I'm trying to explain the way I feel, uh, granted, I, I don't. I'm not the best at doing that. But when I'm trying to to you know express myself and I don't feel like I'm being understood or I feel that I'm being attacked, uh, I, my unrealistic expectation is that no matter how it comes out, my fiancé should be able to just stand there with me and and go through the storm together, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it definitely does. The the word that is like the really a word that kind of 
pulverizes us in anger is the word should. Like, she should, she should react the way I, I imagine that she should react in my head. Um, but the great exactly. thing, yeah, and, but the great thing is before you're even married to know this, because this is something a lot of couples, it takes years, and some of them really never work on this until they fall apart. But that is to be able to challenge yourself. So here's the deal. You know that you're you're working on becoming a better communicator. And so maybe you're not expressing yourself in the most effective way. So really what happens is this when our ego jumps in and our ego says, I don't care if I didn't express myself well. I care that you better understand it. And really that's just a defense mechanism that we use to protect our egos. And when we can realize that it's about ego, we can go, okay, I'm going to set my ego aside here. This isn't about being right or wrong. This is about I'm hurt, I want to be understood, and I'm not being understood in this moment. Yes. Yeah, and my pride is my ego for other terms. It's just destroying my relationship. You know, I, I... And the thing is, when I get angry, like... I I can't I can't step back and think uh, straight if that makes sense. The, the it's like the words in my head just scramble, and the only thing that can come out is the F word. Right? No, no, no. I feel that. I definitely feel that. And here's the deal: what we're going to work on isn't necessarily something to start the moment you're already angry. This is stuff to start practicing the moment we hang up. And that is like going in, talking to your fiance, and saying to her. Listen, I love you. I'm working on myself. I'm actively working, which is something that is about as admirable of a quality as you could get in a human being. So she's going to be really attracted to that and saying, okay, I appreciate that. You saying, okay, I'm working on myself. Here's what I need to work on. I want to work on not using this word should. Like you should understand this or you should do this. Instead, I want to say I would like it. I would like it right now, really badly, if you could understand me. But I understand if you don't. If you don't, it's okay. Let me try again differently. Okay. Sometimes what you real what our egos want to say. Sometimes here's what our pride, our egos want to say. Our, they, if we actually let them talk, they would say, um, "I want you to agree with whatever I have to say and say that I'm right." <laughs> That's really what our egos and pride want us to say. A thousand percent. <laughs> but we're not. But it's not. Relationships aren't about being right. There's no happy couple that's like, ah, well, I was right thirty eight hundred times. She was right twenty six hundred times, so I win. You know, <laughs> that's not a happy relationship. Yeah. It's not about point scoring. It's not about you don't. It's not about. It's not about ego. It's in fact, it's the opposite of that. It's about being together. It's about uniting. It's about becoming one in marriage and saying, look, together we're an island. And as an island, there are going to be moments when I'm on one side of the island, you're on the other side. But it's still us out here. And look, I want to respect and honor you. I mean, this is your. This is going to be your wife. This is just absolutely your family. And you don't want to talk and speak in disrespectful ways to your family. One of the things my wife and I did years ago, we definitely will do not call each other a name, would never call each other a name, um, never allow ourselves to go there. Because once you allow yourself to go there, then you can start to get go more and more. And that's exactly what's happened. You know, it, it started with calling each other out of our names and then got to the point where I became more verbally abusive and... I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be able to love my fiance the way that she deserves to be loved, the way that 
she needs to be loved. Yeah, and I think the fact that you are strong enough to be able to call and have the courage to talk about this, that speaks volumes about you. So have you said the things that weren't that I would rather you didn't say? Absolutely. But what I see is whatever happened in the past is done. We can't change that. What we can do is work on this moment forward. And from this moment forward, saying to your fiance, look, there are going to be times when my pride's hurt, but it's, understand it. Ask what she thinks of you. Like, really say, what do you see in me that you love about me? Like, let, let her tell you the things she loves about you so that you can actually hear it. Because I think you're going to see what she loves about you is you and these other aspects of your pride and ego. That's, that's stuff that's a battle. And she's willing to help you, I bet, with that to say, yeah, listen, she has it too. There's no doubt she has it too. But we don't want to go tit for tat and say, if you did this, I did that. Does that make sense? No, I, I've, I've done that, and that doesn't work. And I don't want to continue doing that. I want to be able to say, this is, this is my mess, and I have to pick it up. And I love you, and I want you to be there while I pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and tr here's what you're going to practice. You're going to practice catching yourself. So is there any other area of your life outside of her that you might get mad fast around? Like traffic or something like uh, that? Oh, yeah. I, like, I, if someone... I, I, this isn't going to sound the best, but if someone does something stupid, that gets me angry. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so <laughs> in a world of 7 billion people, people are going to do stupid stuff every day, every second of every day. Yeah. Um, and so it's like walking into a forest and saying, man, I didn't think there were going to be trees here today. Like you walk into a forest, you know there are going to be trees there. You don't get upset. Oh, I can't believe there are trees over there, too. Uh, so in the same way that you would expect trees to be in a forest, you're going to expect that people are going to do things that are, you know, that are that we all do stupid things from time to time. But here's the other reality. We, you and I and everyone else on the planet, we have a tendency to minimize the dumb things we do and maximize the dumb things other people do. So if you cut somebody yeah, off in oh, traffic, man. it's like, man, that's no, hey, listen, I just cut you off. Why are you so mad? But if someone else cuts you off, you're like, I can't believe this idiot did this. <laughs> you know, so part of it is shining light on not minimizing the harm and mistakes you make and instead and not maximizing the ones other people make. So it's kind of like being easier on them. Yeah. And I guess the other thing that I struggle with the most one is I have this issue, too, with my parents. My parents are, you know, they're much older. They're in their 70s now, and they make really poor financial decisions. Or sometimes they, they, they do things that, again, are expectations that I wish they wouldn't do or that I tell myself they shouldn't do it. And that, that makes me very upset. I tell you what, if you're willing to hang around one more segment, I'm gonna have you on one more segment because I'm gonna stick with it. Like I, I feel like there's some we could get we could get somewhere. So you you want to hang around one more segment? Oh, I would love to, man. All right, let's do it. We got a whole lot more on emotional management on KDKA Radio coming up next. We're back on emotional management. It's your weekly checkup from the neck up. We have a great, uh, very important, powerful call um, right now. 
and uh, this gentleman is really is super insightful. He's anonymous, so we're not going to go with the name. And I, that's what I like about this show, being able to feel comfortable to call in and be like, I don't need to say my name. We can still talk about these issues, and as you can see, we can really get somewhere. Um, so other than I feel a little bit rude not calling you a name, I want to, uh, I want you to know I'm here with you. So so uh, let's come to this part. You're talking about your parents make poor financial decisions, and that's frustrating for you. Um, and let's get to the heart of why. The reason why I'm going to take a stab, and I've just met you on this call, is you care about them, and you hate to see them do things that you see that could hurt them. Yeah, and I would add to that that uh, I just I I feel like I have to control every situation that's in my life, and I am not comfortable with letting the people that I love make decisions that I know are not beneficial. Right, but again, now watch yeah. this. Now this is super eye-opening. And one of the things that I got to tell you, I mean, like, I'm really stoked about you. I, I feel really confident in you. Is that your willingness to sit and take feedback? I, I'm stoked about it because I think that is the epitome of setting your ego aside. But let's so now watch this. This is kind of eye-opening here. So you would feel like I don't want them to make decisions that are bad for them, and to that, that's a big deal. That's maximizing their struggles. But now watch this minimizing your own. But you have had this pattern of speaking poorly to your fiance, and you're not controlling that situation. So it seems like right. so. So that's one of those examples where we all do this. You're not alone. We all do this. We maximize other people's mistakes, minimize our own. But if we shine light on that, we go, wait a minute. And still, I can't start controlling what their decisions are until I control me doing the best thing with my own decisions. Does that make sense? Exactly. Oh, a thousand percent. That, that's ultimately what we do when we seek control. We say, I want to control every situation in the world. I was watching one time this woman who was, it was, a, it was like a brief television commercial, but it, it caught my wife and my attention. And this woman was yelling, screaming at her toddler, you need to have this discipline, that discipline. And this woman was struggling in her own uh, sense with her, with her weight, and she was struggling with her temper, and yet she she was screaming at this five-year-old that she needed to have discipline. And so we were kind of like, well, this is kind of blatant that you're not living this message. You're trying to control her, your child, because you're not focusing it on yourself. And so I want you to see that this is a common issue for us as human beings. But once we shine light on it, man, it's hard to not see it. Understood. And now that you bring that to the forefront, it, I feel like a hypocrite. You know, because I have all these demons and these struggles that I fight with, and then I'm expecting everyone else in my life to have their stuff together. Yes. But I'm not leading by example. Yes, but listen, it's eye-opening, and, and it is very few and far between people who can actually admit that and own that, but we are all hypocritical in many ways, and now that you shine light on the area where you uh, you fall into that now you can change it because now the next time now the next time you go to say something to your parents you're going to go oh my goodness until until my fiance says things that I don't want her to say and I'm cool with it I can't be telling them about their finances Right. Because it's actually when we try to fix other people, we distract or what's called deflect from the issue at hand, which is you working on that self-control and emanating your best self 
to your fiance. Do you have children? We don't. But uh, do you, maybe one day will you? Uh, is that something you intend to have at some point? Oh man, that's more than anything. Yeah, and I have to tell you, being a father is my favorite thing in in life. I, I, there's nothing greater in life than being a father. Um, I I love my daughter more than life itself, and and I think having uh, a child for for me, I'll at least speak for me, although I could definitely speak for my wife. It changed us dramatically because we realized that everything we do, we want to do it in a light that our daughter would want to see and emulate. And so the fact that you're working on this stuff now, this is beautiful because one. Day when your children look at you, they're gonna. They won't even realize all of this stuff. And maybe you'll even tell them. Hopefully, you'll tell them one day. Hey, listen, I struggled with this stuff, and and it was a journey for me. But the fact that you're working on it now is setting them up. This is what parenting is all about. You're actually working on parenting right now by doing this. Interesting. I never looked at it that way. And and here's something powerful. I had this guy one time. He just got out of prison, and he had so many rules in his apartment because he lived by rules in prison. So when he got out, he actually wrote sticky notes. And he would put sticky notes like, take off your shoes. And then he would have a sticky note, don't put feet up on table. And then he put them in the bathroom. So I said, my man you got to take down your sticky notes. And we, we really worked on, and this was our metaphor, take down your sticky notes because you have so many rules, there's no way that people aren't going to break them. Here's the challenge. Anytime we create tons of rules, we are inevitably setting people up to break them. Here's the visual I want you to see for this. Imagine that you take um, a, a couple buckets full of sand and you put that sand, uh, you spill it all around your wife, all around her feet, and then you go, don't step in the sand. Well, how the heck is she not going to step in the sand? You threw it all around her. Right. That's not fair. Right, right. Right, and the same, and I love that you use that word because that's what happens when in your internal dialogue, when you get angry instantly, it's like, that's not fair. He shouldn't have done that stupid thing. But the truth is, that's because that's what you're not wanting to face in yourself or until this moment. Now you're wanting to face it and you see it, and I see that, I feel that in you. But you wouldn't, weren't wanting yeah. to face, oh crap, I'm, I don't want to face what I'm doing, so I'm going to see it in them. Yeah, I, I would even stretch that into I I didn't I couldn't even see it. I I was at a point where I was blind. I lived my life so rude based and and so accustomed to the way that things work for me that I didn't even realize there was an issue. Well, I love that. I appreciate that you you're, took time to call in and and talk about this stuff. I actually have felt recently. I've I've been I really trying to summarize things all the time, and I've been thinking that the truth is that a whole lot of emotional issues come down to our expectations. So I always talk about the difference between what I call my cartoon world, which is that world of shoulds, all our rules, and then there's the real world, how the world actually is. And so the world's not yeah. letting us down. It's our own expectations. So I'd love for you to keep working on aligning your expectations with reality. Be easy on yourself if you mess up. But more importantly right now, be easy on everyone around you. Like give people a break. Recognize every time you go to tell someone what they've done wrong, that what you're actually doing is trying to avoid telling your, you know, shining light on your own behavior. Okay.
And That's I'll a be, great start. Uh, that, uh, you know what? I, I honestly, I, I can't sing and dance, but I can tell you that you are going to follow through. If I had to bet money, I'll bet money you're going to follow through. I can feel it in the way you're saying it. Um, Right now, there's a part of you that's excited because you see what you need to do, and the the first barrier you're going to hit is maybe in two days, three days, something's going to come up, and you're going to go, oh, crap, I fell into my pattern. What I would invite you to do is be easy on yourself and go, okay, wait a minute, let me just start fresh. Let me start fresh. I talked about earlier on the show a canvas. If I gave you a canvas to start each new day, what would you put on it? If you didn't like stuff you put on your canvas yesterday, why would you put on the canvas today? So I want you to think, every t- if you mess up, instead of beating yourself up and living in shame, go, okay, boom, I'm sorry, let me start again. Okay, I will do that. All right, my man. Listen, reach out anytime. I'd love to hear how you're doing in, 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 in the future. If you could reach out and let us know how you're doing, I definitely would love to hear from you. For sure. Hey, thank you so much again. I really appreciate you. 100%, my man. Have a great uh, night and have a happy new year. You too. All right. Thank you so much. We, I tell you what, what a great call because this is so powerful. It's powerful not only for that young man, but powerful for everyone out there listening, realizing that there is a man who had the courage to admit that he was struggling with something. Look, we all struggle with ego. We all struggle with issues where we create rules and say, hey, people must follow these rules or else. Uh, but the fact that he had the courage, the willingness, the insight, uh, the recept- re- the receptivity to being able to be receptive to what I offered him, that speaks volumes because you could hear it in his voice. Oh, yes, I'm doing this. He even I gave him an out one time and he still brought it back to taking responsibility. And when people assume responsibility for what they're doing, their changes happen faster. When you can assume responsibility for what you're doing, your changes will happen faster. That's why I have a lot of confidence in that young man for making the changes that he needs to make. Um, we got a lot. Uh, to talk about tonight when we're talking about these emotions when we're talking about these resolutions the changes we want to make if you mess up you don't want to then beat yourself up you want to be easy on yourself and recognize it's a process it's a process 866-391-1020 is the number I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDK Radio Discussions with the Coons Cooking Hour. Winter weather, Winter weather event hits. Nearly four inches blanketing the city. Count on People's Natural Gas Storm Center from KDKA Radio. Activated. The People's Natural Gas Storm Center delivers clear, concise event postponements, cancellations, and delays. Plus, occasional snow. The latest in weather information from AccuWeather. The People's Natural Gas Storm Center is brought to you in part by AirPro Heating and Cooling, Bill Gray Volvo, State Farm Agent Pat Dickey, and Toten's Diner. Only from News Radio. 1020 KDKA. From the Jason Luhana Law Firm Studio. Doing good by doing right. This is KDKA Radio. CBS News updates. Federal charges have been filed against the accused attacker who stabbed five people Saturday night at the New York home of an Orthodox rabbi. 
CBS's Don Daler. The federal hate crime charges against Grafton Thomas were described in the criminal complaint. Authorities say the charges were prompted by handwritten journals found inside Thomas's home that show references to Adolf Hitler and Nazi culture on the same page as drawings of a Star of David and a swastika. The criminal complaint also says Grafton used his phone to search why did Hitler hate the Jews and German Jewish temples near me as early as November 9th. More details of the case have been made public. Thomas was apprehended within two hours by police about 35 miles away in New York City. Officers say they detected a strong smell of bleach coming from his car and saw what appeared to be blood on Thomas's clothing and hands. Authorities say that Thomas will be indicted this Friday. The attack follows a number of hate crimes against Jews not only in New York but also around the country. CBS News Update, I'm Gary Knott. Here's the up-to-the-minute AccuWeather forecast. Brought to you by Ireland Contracting. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF or visit IrelandContracting.com. Breezy and chillier tonight, a shower to this evening, and a late night snow shower, low 33. Cloudy, windy, and chilly tomorrow with a few snow showers, leaving a coating to an inch on non-paved surfaces, high 37. For Wednesday, New Year's Day, mostly cloudy, high 38. For AccuWeather, this is meteorologist Bob Larson. News Radio 1020. KDKA. Welcome back to Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. What a powerful call we just had. I'd love to be able to have the young man's name to say his name, but it's even, but here's the deal. Even if we don't say his name, it's perfectly okay. And I want you to be able to call in. If you ever need to call in, you can always be anonymous. We can always have a good conversation without you having to feel like you have to, uh, say your name. In fact, you could make up a name if you want. Um, but here are the things that I absolutely love about that call is the courage. See, it takes so much courage to own up to what we're doing. We're all doing this. See, I didn't get to tell that young man my tagline, but my tagline is there are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who have issues and dead people. So if you're alive, you have issues. So do I. So does everyone. The goal is not to not have issues. The goal is to handle our issues in the most conscious way possible. And what he is struggling with is something that we're all struggling with to some extent. Remember, we're all on a continuum. We're on this continuum where we believe that things should be a certain way. But that is made up. That is in our minds. That's not actual reality. So if I, let's stick with that forest analogy. If I walk into the forest and I say, well, these trees shouldn't be trees. They should be um yeah, sports cars. Now I walk into the forest and I go, oh, geez, a bunch of trees. I thought they were going to be sports cars. Well, you could see how ridiculous that would be. You'd say, well, what's wrong with you? You're walking into a forest. They're not sports cars. They're trees. But as ridiculous as it is for me to think that trees should magically be sports cars, it is equally as ridiculous for us to think that the world should be different from how it is. In other words, if we think this person shouldn't have said that, well, that's not real because the person did say that. You can say, I would have liked that person not to have said that. If I could go back in time, I would have chosen for that person to say something differently. But again, you're not even in control of what others say. The reality is that if something happened, it happened. And you can talk until you're blue in the face about how it shouldn't have happened, about how it should have been different, 
But the reality is it wasn't. It was what it was. And so to learn how to align your expectations with reality is, I believe, one of the most powerful paths to consciousness, to really expanding consciousness and waking ourselves up and saying, look, we live in the real world. We don't live in our cartoon worlds. And as much as we want to live in our cartoon world, it's not reality. So, look, I, this, I gave a powerful example of this. Um, and th- in, I was doing a training in a prison system, and there was a person who um, did this unspeakable act to his biological daughter, and he got seven years of a prison sentence. There was another person who dealt drugs and got 10 years of a prison sentence. So the one person who did this physically harmful act to his daughter, his biological daughter, awful, just absolutely awful, got seven years, and someone sold drugs and got 10 years. So we might look at this and say, well, that shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't be able to hurt your child and get a limited sentence like that. But the reality is that even though I might believe that he should have had a a steeper consequence for what he did, the reality is even if you agree with me, even if everyone gets together and agrees with me that he should have had a longer consequence, the reality is that he didn't. And here's a very awakening, powerful reality. Even if all of us in the entire world agree that he should have had a longer prison sentence, it's a cartoon world thought. Because the real world is he got seven years and he got out and he's been out. So now we have a choice. I can either, and this is why I'm passionate about the work I do in the prison system, because we have so many people who go in and say, well, it shouldn't be like this. Well, okay, great, but it is. And so now my whole theory is about meeting people where they actually are, not where I think they should be, but where they actually are, and say, how do we make real changes from here? So what I did was work with that gentleman to say, I want to help shine light so that he doesn't get out and hurt another child. So someone else could sit back and say, well, he doesn't deserve for me to teach him anything new. He doesn't deserve for me to try to give him any compassion. He doesn't deserve, and I shouldn't have to do that. Okay, guess what? He's still getting out, and he still would have access to other children and could hurt other children. And so what I do is I say, well, I'm going to meet him where he is, and I'm going to give him my best because it's cartoon world to think that he should be the consequence should be any different than it is. It is that. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't work to get different consequences. That doesn't mean that we can't work to make changes in the world. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, as long as we choose to believe that the world should be the way we think it should be, we're going to be let down frequently. And here's where this becomes very real and very personable, uh, too personal to you. If you set up a bunch of rules that people in your family should do, he should have been thoughtful. She should have thought to ask me about this. He should have come over yesterday. Uh, She should have taken out the trash. He should have done this. Whatever your rules are, those are cartoon cartoon world rules, easy for me to say, but... If you don't challenge yourself on those rules, you start getting mad at other people for not living out your cartoon world thoughts. Listen to this. That is no different than me walking into that forest going, why aren't these trees sports cars? Why aren't they sports cars? 
It's not right. So challenge yourself on your cartoon world thoughts because I promise you that when you can shine light on it. Now, the caller we just had, phenomenal, because he was able to look and say, yep, you're right, this is what I'm doing, and now I'm going to work toward it. This doesn't mean, and this is a really great example, this doesn't mean that I, I absolutely have 100% confidence that that young man will make the changes he needs to make. But that doesn't mean that I believe he will just do that automatically and nothing, he'll never hit obstacles again. Of course he's going to hit obstacles. Of course he's going to revert at times to the behavioral patterns with which he is familiar. But there is great hope that he can make those changes. Here's what I found. A lot of guys would come into my anger management groups and they would hear this kind of information. Right? You hear cartoon world, real world, my goodness, doc, that makes sense. I like it, that makes sense. Uh, oh, you hear, I minimize the pain I cause others, but I maximize the pain they cause me. Boom, I got it. That makes sense. And so they set out to say, well, now I'm going to make these changes. I got this. Okay, I believe intellectually you have it, but it's going to take practice until you have it behaviorally. So that that's a huge thing to understand. Just because I believe that someone has the potential to do it doesn't mean that I believe that they're not going to ever encounter obstacles. I believe that man, young man will do what he's setting out to do, but he's going to encounter obstacles. Here's what I would tell him, and I, if he's still listening, I definitely want you to hear this. Um, and if you're just tuning in, he was anonymous. That's why I'm not saying his name. But if you, but it, the advice I would say is be easier on yourself when you mess up. When you mess up, catch yourself as much as you can. So to catch yourself is this, um, you know, Adam Sandler, uh, a movie star, he had a bunch of funny movies in the 90s, um, he might still have funny movies, but he, he had, in his movies in the 90s, he would have these characters that would get really mad really quickly, and then as soon as they were done being angry, they would be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, they would apologize, and it was hilarious, it was a great, uh, and it was all in comedy, but it's kind of a good model for us to see that he, at least he caught himself. See, the first step is to catch yourself, because if you go through the whole anger or emotional episode and you don't catch yourself, then you're really minimizing what you're doing and maximizing what other people are doing. But when you catch yourself, you go, okay, crap, I, I did that, I wish I hadn't done that, but now let me start fresh. Again, let me pull up that painting analogy. You have a fresh canvas. I'm giving you a fresh canvas tomorrow morning. You're going to get one every day for the rest of your life. Now, every day, think about this. Whatever you say that day, that's a part of your painting. Let's say you go off on someone on Twitter. That's a part of your painting. Think about what that is. Say you go off on someone in the comments section of a video that they make. That's part of what you've painted into the world. Let's say you go off on someone on Facebook. That's what you've contribu contributed to the world. So maybe you're upset with um, politicians. Maybe you're upset with celebrities. Maybe you're upset with public figures. Um, and you don't like the anger that they show. Well, when you show anger about that, guess what you're doing? You're also contributing that to your painting. So every day... It can be a New Year's resolution, but my goodness, it can be a daily resolution to be the best version of yourself. Think about what you're contributing, because here's the powerful statement. You are contributing to the content of the universe, and you're doing it every day, every moment. we got a whole lot more on emotional management on KDK Radio.
When bad weather hits, rely on the People's Natural Gas Storm Center. Delays, cancellations, postponements, and current weather information. The People's Natural Gas Storm Center. Now you have less to worry about. Barry and Steve Arinich from Petite Kitchen and Bath. One, Bell and Bazzi. You're listening to Emotional Management with Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. We are talking about a whole bunch of stuff tonight. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. 866-391-1020 is the number. So New Year's Eve is coming up where we've been talking about this concept of resolutions and we really make these arbitrary dates for ourselves. You don't have to wait till New Year's Day to start making those changes. You can make them right now. And guess what? You can make them January 2nd, and you can make them January 3rd, and you can make them any day you want. Here's the challenge for yourself. Instead of putting so much pressure that if you don't do this, if you don't do that, that you're wrong or bad or terrible, instead... Be easy on yourself, but at the same time, strive. Push yourself. I think we were designed to keep pushing ourselves. I like to think of it in terms of hunger. You can eat the greatest meal of your life tonight, and you can be stuffed, stuffed to the brim. You will still be hungry tomorrow. This is why I say to people all the time that I'm don't, when people say, well, this person can never do enough, you're right. I don't think we ever can do enough. As long as we're alive, there's more to do. But that doesn't mean that you're not enough. That's a big difference. You are definitely enough exactly as how you are. But there's always more to do, just like there's more to eat the next day. And that's okay. That's a part of striving. That's a part of growing. Um, if you're not growing and you're not striving, well, then I don't think you're really living to your full potential. And striving and growing means learning more about yourself. What a beautiful world in which we live. When I was a teenager, and I tell this uh, story at the beginning of my new book, Walking Through Anger, but when I was a teenager, I asked my dad about him studying the Earth as an Earth scientist. And he said, look, if you're going to live on one planet your entire life, why not get to know that planet? Think about how much there is in the world to know about the world from our geology, our meteorology, from everything about our world. There is so much to know about our world. And we can spend our entire lives studying it, and there's still more to learn. Now let's think about the universe. Think about astronomy. Think about we live in a galaxy with more than 100 billion stars, and there are more than 2 trillion galaxies, each with hundreds of billions of stars. I mean, the the uh, amount of life in the universe, the amount of things in the universe is bigger than anything we could ever imagine. Now let's even go inward and imagine the human psyche. See, if you draw a circle on a piece of paper... In that circle on the piece of paper, it didn't have to be a circle. I should have just said any shape. You draw something on a piece of paper, a shape, and from one side of the shape to the other side of the shape is an infinite amount of space. So think about it. You can draw a halfway point between one side and the other, and then you can draw a halfway point of that and a halfway point of that ad infinitum. So forever you could draw it. It's an infinite amount of space. Now let's take that to the human mind. Psyche, psychology, actually 
is the study of the human psyche. The founding fathers originally intended psychology to be the study of the soul. Psyche meant soul. It's now morphed into the study of the science of the mind and behavior. Wonderful. But now let's come back into the human psyche. This infinite amount of space. That means if you live every day of your life looking inward and learning about yourself, there will always be more to learn. One of my favorite mentors in my life was Dr. Nick Hanna. He was a professor at Duquesne University where I got my PhD um, back in the early 2000s. Um, and I just loved him. He, what a great mentor. This guy had been practicing psychology for 40-some years when I met him. And he said to me, I still have so much to learn about myself. I don't really know anything about myself. And he was literally the most self-aware human being I ever encountered. And I thought, well, if Dr. Hanna still says he has more to learn about himself, and he's the most self-aware human I've ever encountered, then I know that I'm going to have to learn. I'm going to be learning about myself my entire life. And the same is true for you and for everyone. There's a lot to learn. So now think about how we would approach life. And I really want to give this message, and I, if I could reach in your heart and have you hear this, I, I would do that. Think about this. Think about the arrogance that we experience when we tell people how the world is with our certainty. Think about how arrogant we have to be to be so certain that this is how the world is. Verse, versus thinking about how humble, humbling it is to say, my goodness, there's so much more to learn. So when you operate from a position of arrogance, you get really angry really quickly. Oh, my goodness, these trees should be sports cars. That person shouldn't have cut me off. The world should be exactly what I'm picturing in my mind. But when we live from a place of humility, we're inquisitive. We can question. We can we can strive to seek to learn. I almost jumped into a Tennyson, Alfred Lord Tennyson poem, Ulysses. His final line of the uh, his poem, Ulysses, was to strive to seek to find, but not to yield. Um, when we operate from a place of humility, we're going to be less angry because we're always wondering what's out there. That's why I told that young man, think about the word maybe, because the next time you're angry, if you can say maybe, maybe there's more to it than what I know. And look, I do believe that people can change. I believe people can change. In fact, I believe the only people who think people can't change are people who don't change themselves. Not that they can't, but they're not changing. Because if you can change yourself, but you believe other people can't change, think about how arrogant that is. The reality is we all have the capacity and potential to change, but that doesn't mean that we all will. There still needs to be effort. That's why every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm right here on the dial to talk to you. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management. And more than anything, as always, I wish you much peace. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 